This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for uh, Stephen K. Bannon. I can't tell you what an honor and, and pleasure it's going to be for this hour um, because we're having a very, very special guest. Um, it is Commander Jack Carr. He's a former Navy SEAL who uh, actually is, is um, he worked his way up through the ranks. That's not often the way SEALs go, but he, he was a sniper uh, serving in both Iran excuse me, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, and then down the road also uh, was involved in counterterrorism uh, operations in the Philippines. And what, what has attracted me uh, to Commander Carr is simply I've been an avid fan of his books. It started with The Terminalist. He's written six books, bestsellers all, and he's really vaulted to the top of the military thriller authors, and it's just on fire. Uh, But what was really interesting to me is this latest book, which I'll encourage you to go out and grab, get one for your friend too, Jack Carr, Only the Dead. Um, What really intrigued the heck out of me is this is the first book which has very significant political and economic analysis in it, overlaid upon uh, just a very gripping story. And I've, I've, you know, you've seen me a lot in the war room with Steve. I, 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 the, the left is trying to turn MAGA into a four-letter word. I've been trying to explain to you what it stands for in endless wars, secure borders, uh, strong manufacturing base, fair elections, things like that. And my stuff is dry, and I picked up only the dead. Yeah, buy it. And lo and behold, um, this man, uh, military hero, is also arguably the best um, novelist in the in the genre of his time. So right now, I want to welcome uh, Commander Carr to Steve Bannon's war room, sir. How are you today? Uh, doing great. Thank you so much for for having me. It's an honor to talk to you. Yeah, and I thought. I thought what I'd want to do is is give most of the time to you. So what I want to do is is start off um, with a with a passage um, from from your book. It's a chapter one. The um, the conceit here is that the hero of the book and the books, uh, the, all of the six books, the terminal list, um, is a fellow named James Reese. Not coincidentally, a seal. Although you go out of your way to say you're not him. Um, but, uh, I'm going to read something to you at uh, Reese is, um, in solitary confinement, tucked away, falsely accused of assassinating the president. 
Uh, they're really putting the screws to him, and um, he's lost his wife and daughter as a result of, of his activities. And he says, uh, had you been home, had you hung up the gun years earlier, they would still be alive. It was an unwinnable war. You knew that from the start. You studied your history. Those who sent you neglected to study theirs. And then they failed you and those they sent to fight. And we're talking about um, Afghanistan here, I believe. For 20 years, they filled the coffer of their defense industry allies and joined dinners and drinks with lobbyists, none of whom had the balls to step into the breach. You knew it. You went anyway. And you didn't do it for God and country. Um, how much of that, Jack Carr, is is your view of what happened in Afghanistan? Unwinnable war, they failed you. Yes, a lot of the things that my protagonist uh, does, sees, more importantly feels, uh, are things that I felt at some point along the line. And, uh, you know, you don't have to have served in the military. You don't have to have read a book on strategy. You don't have to have read a book on, on tactics, geopolitics, anything to apply common sense to the situation in Afghanistan and come to the conclusion that there was a much better way to leave that country than the way that we did, especially if you have our quote unquote best and brightest uh, studying this situation for these 20 years and then how they get out of there is the way that we all watched go down on national television August of uh, 2021. And then all of a sudden it just disappears. There's no accountability on the other side of that. Very different from George Marshall in World War II holding generals and admirals accountable for their actions and putting the right people in place who led us yeah. to victory in World War II. Very different than President Lincoln during the Civil War. Uh, we lost that accountability really after World War II with the reorganization of our uh, defense industry, our defense uh, uh, departments and intelligence apparatus. We really lost that accountability that had been so important up to that point in time. And, and Afghanistan really does highlight that. And those passages that you just read are certainly things that I yeah. feel and think about when I look at Afghanistan. Because we didn't have to go back to Genghis Khan. We didn't have to go back to Alexander the Great. We had three yeah. British incursions in the 1800s, early 1900s, and we had the Soviets, yep. 79 to yep. 89, that we could have looked yes. at and lessons from applied to our particular situation so, in Afghanistan, yet we neglected yeah, to do this. So let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you this question, uh, the two-parter. Uh, should we have gone in there to begin with? Is there any reason why you and, – and whether or not we should have, once we got there – what could we have done to actually have won that, or was it an unwinnable war from the outset? So the reason I say it's an unwinnable war from the outset is because of the people we had in our leadership positions and the lessons that they drew from the Soviets. So what they drew from the Soviets was, oh, we cannot have a large-scale presence on the ground in Afghanistan. That was that was their lesson. So when we had special operators on the ground in December of 2020, November and December of 20, uh, 2001, uh, in the Tora Bora region, we had bin Laden essentially pinpointed. And they, those special operators and a couple of CIA paramilitary outfits and some indigenous forces, we asked for Marines, we asked for Rangers, we asked for 10th Mountain Division people. And I say we, I mean they. Yeah. And, they and those requests were denied. And for, for whatever reason, which allowed bin Laden to escape, which led to this 20-year adventure or misadventure 
in Afghanistan. So, uh, so that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying, when I say that it was unwinnable, it was unwinnable with those people making those types of decisions at yeah. those levels. Uh, but if you, if we took the right lessons from the Soviets, uh, in Afghanistan, if we'd studied our history and we could have, we should have gone in there right away, but we should have just handled it differently, done the job and then moved on. Out. Yeah. Moved on out, in and out, not an endless war. And there's a there's a fascinating little passage on page 60. Let me just um, read this. The American poppy field eradication programs and their chemical herbicide spraying efforts had turned had turned more of the populace against them. Why were the Americans so intent on destroying a crop that produced something wanted and consumed in the West? It only exacerbated the war villages and families that owned the local warlords protect warlords protection money for the opening crop now had to pay in other ways and what i love about you, what you do commander cars you 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 speak uh these these truths from the perspectives of the various characters in the book this was an afghan who had been a, a, a truck driver there and he saw this firsthand Th- this kind of level of detail does the american people do they understand this kind of thing? Because I love seeing this as a matter of history in there. It's something I didn't know. But th- can you just comment on how you came to include that kind of level of detail? Uh, I've always been a student of warfare, uh, student of history, because history uh, for uh, – a lot of it is a history of warfare. Uh, so it's very natural for me to weave these things in. My character is a student of warfare. He's a student of, of his craft. He wants yeah. to be a better leader and a better operator, uh, as, as I did when I was in the SEAL teams. Every day, you wanted to be a better leader than you were the day before, a better operator than you were the day before. And that meant understanding the battle space, um, because that is going to allow you to make better tactical decisions under fire, and then also allow you to lead in a way that establishes and continues to build on a foundation of trust that you have with those both below you and above you in the chain of command. So you have to understand not just how to place a breaching charge and kick in a door and go grab somebody out of their bed in the middle of the night and drag them back to a fob for questioning. You have to understand the impact that's going to have on the battle space. And then you have to articulate to those above and below you why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, And then you have to be the best at placing that breaching charge on the door, getting getting in that house and go grabbing that person out of their compound and dragging them back. So you have to be a student of all of these things. So I like to show the perspectives of uh, of the United States through the eyes of the enemy. Because yeah. oftentimes we neglect to do that. And we don't if you're any sort of student of history, you understand the importance of looking at things through the eyes of the enemy. And for some reason in the West, we have a very difficult time doing that. So I take the opportunity to do that in my novels. And in that case right there, that's the poppy eradication program that really just led to uh, us having more yeah. enemies ground in Afghanistan. What I found interesting about your craft, uh, your your protagonist there talks about uh, studying early as a young man. His father was a great inspiration to him, um, who was in, I guess, the same profession serving this country in the military as, as well as later the CIA. Does that mirror your experience? Was this something early on where you were uh, a, both a bookworm and somebody who was also a patriot wanting to serve um, at the front lines? Did you have some some people in your life like that? This is a question about your craft. 
Yes, it's on both counts. Uh, my grandfather was killed in World War II. He was a Corsair pilot, and for those watching or listening, that was the plane that mm. had the wings that would fold up to fit him on aircraft carriers, and he was killed on aircraft carrier Bunker Hill uh, near the end of the war in 1945, in May of 1945, when two kamikazes hit it. So I had pictures of him and his squadron, him with his plane. Interesting, metal. yeah had his wings. I had the silk maps they would give aviators back then because if you had a paper map and you hit the water, it would disintegrate, but a silk map just got wet and you could still use it on escape and evasion. So I had all those things. So it was just in my blood from a very early age. And plus there was a show on TV called Black Sheep Squadron starring Robert Conrad. So that was uh, a a connection (laughs) I had with that generation because he never even met his father. Uh, And obviously I did not either. So, uh, So that was our connection to his father, to that generation was why Watching that show. So I always knew I was going to serve my country in uniform. And then at the ripe old age of seven, I found out what SEALs were. And my mom was a librarian. So we went down to the local library, started doing research on SEALs, on special operations. And a lot of it back then, although there wasn't much, was on yeah. special operations in Vietnam. So I started reading everything I could possibly find. That led me to thrillers because a lot of the thrillers in novels in the 80s had protagonists with backgrounds in Vietnam as either a Navy SEAL, Army Special Forces, Marine Sniper, CIA. And, and, and this is when you're you're young. You're like a you're like a teenager and stuff like that. I'm not even a teenager yeah, yet. So amazing. At 10 years old. Oh, that's wow. Okay. Came, and that's when I started to transition from young adult fiction into the same things my parents were reading by sixth grade, 11 years old, certainly. Reading books by David Morrell and Nelson DeMille and A.J. Quinnell and J.C. Pollock, Mark Olden, Tom Clancy, all the masters. And what they were really doing, although I didn't look at it this way at the time, was they were giving me an early education in the art of storytelling. So I'm learning a little something about my future profession, and I'm also learning about the craft of telling stories. Hey, and thanks for your referral for Charles McGarry, because I've started uh, reading some of his stuff. But, but we got a, a 60 seconds to the break. Uh, before we go there, um, Thomas M. Rice, you dedicate this book to him. I noticed kind of the, the, the similarity between Reese and Rice. Is there some kind of homage uh, when you name James, Re- James Reese to Thomas Rice? Or who, can you t- explain who he is and whether he fits in kind of more broadly or was that something else that it uh, James Reese comes from two different personal um, uh, touch points. I'll say say that. But Tom Rice was someone I met at Pearl Harbor for the 80th anniversary commemoration events. My daughter and I went back there with the best of school. Uh, 62 veterans back there. And then we went to, to Normandy with that same group uh, that uh, the next June. So we got to spend time with Tom Rice, both in Pearl Harbor and, and Normandy, uh, seeing walking with the streets through the town, which he jumped into on D-Day. So I dedicated the book to him. <laughs> Heroes all. Here's the book, Jack Carr, Only the Dead. After the break, we're going to move from Afghanistan to some passage about Ukraine, the war in Ukraine. We're with Commander... Jack Carr, author, Only the Dead, here in Steve Bannon's War Room. Peter Navarro, be right back. Stay with us. Look around and tell me what you see. Every day. People in the street said I used to work in a factory. Right now, I don't work for anything. 
only I wish to feed Not much Cause we've got simple needs Too bad They sent our jobs away As the CEOs get richer That jobs all move offshore Go to the store and spend our money Send all the dollars overseas This ain't the land of milk and honey This is the land of trading Trading Green